0: Alright, so for the next, the next three weeks, our series is entitled, This Is Us, because on September 15th, we will celebrate 190 years of ministry, 190 years of ministry, as the people called Methodists, right here in Montgomery, Alabama. It's really exciting to me that we get to be a part of this juncture in our story together. We're thinking a lot about story. This week, what's your story and the power of of testifying to what God has done in our lives? What is God doing in your family's life? Next week, we'll look at our story together as a congregation. And then the following Sunday, on our 190th anniversary, we will look at where our story is leading us. We'll celebrate 190 years of ministry together, but then what's, what's next? First United Methodist Church here in Montgomery. Our story is, is one that is quite powerful, and it is part of my story. So in thinking about what our story is, I wanted to share with you a little bit of my story. This scripture helps me in that way. From Exodus chapter 3, listen for the word of the Lord. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn to the side and look at this great sight and see why that bush is not burning up. And when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses! And he said, Here I am, And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a land that is good and broad, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hiv- Hiv- Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites, it's come to me now. I have also seen how these Egyptians oppress my people. So come. Come. I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to these Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, and you shall also say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So there was a new preacher receiving his first appointment, and it was to a very small country church, and, and on his first Sunday, the very first Sunday in his new appointment, he showed up for worship, and there was only one person. It was a little old man wearing Liberty overalls. And so the preacher walked up to the man and he says, well, you seem to be the only person here today, so should I preach or what? What do you want to do here? The farmer said, son, I ain't no preacher. I'm just an old farmer. But if I had a truckload of hay and I went to the pasture and there was only one cow that showed up, I'd feed that one cow. Well, inspired by this level of wisdom, the young preacher he rolled up his sleeves, and he began preaching his guts out. He threw all the stuff that he had learned in seminary at him, all the stories that he had ever heard, all the bad jokes that he had ever heard, and he even began making up a few things. Two hours later, whew, he finished that sermon, and he looked at that old farmer, and he said, Well, what would you think about my first sermon, farmer? That little old man said, Son, I ain't no preacher. I'm just an old farmer, but if I had a truckload of hay and I went to the pasture and only one cow showed up, I wouldn't dump the whole lot on him. (laughs) So for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the power of our story. And our story, it's exhaustive, meaning 190 years' worth of transformation of lives changed. You're not going to get the whole load of hay in three weeks. But I think it's important for us as a congregation and for today's purposes as, as people of God, as families of God, to get those de- defining moments. We, we're about to take a bold step forward. We're about to make a bold impact on Cloverdale and beyond. That's part of, of our story how will we weave into that? How will we fit into that? And what will the future hold? That's, that's where we're going. If you've ever shared your story with, with someone, my guess is that, you know, you just didn't unload it all, but, but you did hit those defining moments. Every single one of us have defining moments in our story. Sometimes those are mountaintop events. Sometimes there are moments we're in the valley, and the valley is trying to swallow us up. We all have them. I listen to a lot of podcasts um, every single week, as often as I am able. And one of my favorite podcasts is Oprah Winfrey's Masterclass, where about, for about 35 minutes or so, she interviews a celebrity or an athlete, and the intro to every single episode is the exact same each and every podcast. And it says this, everyone has a story and there's something that can be learned from every experience. Use your life as a class. Well, in the realm of the Christian church, Jesus said, you, you all, y'all in the Greek, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will bear witness to the things that God has done. In our faith, as the people called Methodists, it's part of our membership vows that we will be loyal with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and what? Our witness, yes. We will use our lives, our stories, as a masterclass because hopefully we can help one another figure out this thing called life, and maybe even share with others that we don't have life all figured out anyway, that we need a story bigger than us, and we need each other. You'll notice on a couple of occasions in today's text that God told Moses, you tell the people that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is sending you. You know why I used that trilogy? Because he was using Moses to be a part of a story bigger than himself. How are you stepping into a story bigger than yourself? So many parts of my own story involve somebody asking me a very simple question along defining moments in my life. At the age of 12, my piano teacher said, Jay, have you ever given any thought to Jesus? Simple question. Have you ever said yes to Jesus? Many years later, when Susan and I married, I stood before a United Methodist preacher, and that preacher said, will you be loyal? Very simple question. Someone asked us one time, Jay, Susan, will you come try out our Sunday school class? And we ended up in this church, joining... The Pine Sunday School class. Someone in that class said, Hey, Jay, will you teach this class? Okay, sucker. You're right. Hey, Jay, have you ever thought about ministry as a vocation? And then about 12 years ago, I'm sitting in, in the back back here as a member, long before I entered into ministry myself, and now Bishop Lawson Bryan was standing in this very pulpit preaching a sermon by the same title. What's your story? And I remember the power of the Holy Spirit coming over me in that very moment. And I'll never forget it. All these years later, it's his very first sermon from this pulpit. He said, What's your story? And the way I heard that was at a much deeper level than I had given thought to up until that point. Because what he was asking is, What is your real story? You see, my story could have easily been defined, like many of ours, by family, education, you know, sports persuasions, income level, jobs, whatever the tags, the labels are that we put with that part of our story, and all those are important. But what's your real story? What are you doing for other people? And that's where things get interesting in life. That's a story of a biblical proportion, actually, because that's a story of new identity. It's a matter of call, and and the call of God, it's not reserved for clergy. You all are called by God. You all are commissioned, ordained by God through the sacrament of baptism. What is the difference between a called life and an uncalled life? Well, an uncalled life it doesn't tend to have disruptions or intrusions or interventions or re-identifications by what we would call the holy. But a life that's willing to listen and to see and to experience and to be obedient will be disrupted. It will be a major intrusion by God on our schedules and our calendars and everything else that goes along with with life because we find out we don't live autonomously in this world we might think we do but we don't and so like Moses our lives get caught up in the currents of God's streams of amazing grace and when that happens we're anything but individuals we're not a rock or an island which neither feel pain nor ever cry Your story and mine are part of God's narrative. And what that means is God knows you by name. The one who numbered the stars knows you by name. The God of Moses, of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob still intervenes in the human story to grab our attention no matter how often we listen to this world saying, you know, um, that our life doesn't matter your story says otherwise. So what's your story? God, God called Moses because God heard the cries of needy people. And God refused then and refuses now for people to be oppressed. That's the core of your story and mine. And that's how we validate or distinguish between the fire of God in our bellies and our hearts being strangely warmed and and just eating spicy food for lunch earlier in the day. Because at the core of your story and mine is this question, how is my story helping others who are crying out for help? That's a story. And God spends every waking minute trying to redeem, trying to transform, and... Even amid all of Moses's alibis and excuses and objections and reluctance and complaints, God doesn't just move on to the next person. God uses Moses to set the captives free. God used a messy, stuttering, complaining Hebrew who identified as an Egyptian to deliver an entire nation from evil and injustice and oppression. And if God can do that with Moses... What can God do with us? You've heard it said this way, maybe. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper. David, King David, was an adulterer and a murderer. Noah was a drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul stoned Christians. Gideon was insecure. Rahab was a prostitute. Miriam was a gossip. Martha was a worrier. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Zacchaeus was vertically challenged. Abraham was old. Moses stuttered and complained and protested. Lazarus was dead. God can use ordinary people to carry out an extraordinary mission. Every one of these messes were burned up by God's all-consuming fire of grace. And what... I'm reminded of is that God can take our mess and turn it into a message. Yes? That God can take disappointment and turn it into his appointment. So what's your story? Have you submitted your story to God so that God may allow others to go free? I can relate to this story from Exodus 3 on so many levels. When I was exploring God's call into ministry, I read how Moses was working for his father-in-law in business. Check. Got it. I read how Moses was not a Rhodes Scholar. Got it. I read about Moses' trepidation in leaving something so familiar. Got that too. I read about all of Moses' excuses for why this call thing was a bad idea. Check. I even read how Moses was scared he would be alone. Check. But behind even the letters of the text, behind the lowercase w of God's Word was, was the uppercase w of, of God's Word. And, and what it was telling me is that even amid my own unworthiness that God promises to accompany me too. That I learned at that point that amid my own lack of confidence that God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. I learned how a stammerer depleted and empty can be filled up with the words of God Almighty and that even in the face of modern pharaohs who oppress and repress and suppress God's people that God sends me an Aaron or two so that I know I'm not alone in this journey. Oh yeah, my story is intertwined with Moses's not because I'm in ministry. It has nothing to do with a a robe and a stole. It has to do with my baptism. It has to do with the same that applies to you, that we're children of God, that God uses people to change the world, to set the captives free, to restore sight to the blind, to help others be heard, to give food to the hungry, to let the oppressed go free, how are you allowing God to use your story? What is your story? and How is it transforming lives? How is it setting others free? And make no mistake that the person who might need to be set free, it might just be you. Maybe God's working in your story in that way. Moses' story is is my story as well because I understand now why in the Jewish tradition you neither speak nor write the divine name of God. You neither speak nor write the divine name of God. And when you see it, it's sometimes uh, printed without the full letters or it has dots to hold its place, but you don't speak it, you you don't write it, you breathe it. Yahweh, Yahweh, the very name of God is already part of your story because you have breath in your lungs. When you discover that truth, you begin discovering your real story and your real purpose. And so, winding down here, at the core of our understanding of what it means to be a human being in this world trying to find a purpose in relationship with God to make a difference in, in this world, one of the best starting places that I can share with us is asking questions, the first of which is this, who am I? It's a question Moses asked. He saw the, the, the burning bush off to the side, and, and to Moses' credit, he had enough courage to get out of the familiar path the direction that he was going, the story that he was on, and take a left, or maybe a right, and look at the burning bush and then listen to what God had to say. And when God had, had finished saying, Moses, I'm going to use you, Moses replied, who am I? In other words, why me? Why me? To which God doesn't say, Well, you know, you're Jethro, you're a good businessman, you got your father in law thing going for you, you're a hard worker, you know, you check all these boxes. That's not what God says. Moses says, Who am I? And God replies, I am. Strange way to answer a question, don't you think? He gives him his name. Even in giving. His name to Moses. God is showing a level of vulnerability that we see nowhere else in human history. I'll give a little bit if you give a little bit. It's the breathing, Yahweh. I'll give you my name. Breathe it in, breathe it out. Make a difference in this world. Listen, you have only been because God is. You currently are because God is. You will be because God is. So for the person who wants to know her purpose or his purpose, for the one wondering or wandering, for the one in an identity crisis, for the one daring enough to step into a story bigger than herself or himself, for anyone asking, who am I? God always says, I am. And when God comes to change your story, when God finds you amid the stress and the doubt and broken relationships and fear and trepidation and suffering and grief, God promises never to leave us the way that God found us. That's the way grace works, you see. And I hope your story, in your story, you can mark these defining moments where God has interjected and intervened and called you and nudged you and maybe cattle prodded you a little bit to change your story, but to never leave you the same. The last part of my story is a definition of grace that I picked up somewhere along the way. And that is that grace is God's way of of making a little bit more space for you. That's my story in one sentence. Is that God made space for me? Because God's principal role as creator means that God can create space where space doesn't already exist. That grace Suspends and bends time and space to make room for God to get to you and for you to find God. Physics is more than science, it is our story. God's grace through the United Methodist Church made enough space for me. And so the least I can do is make sure that everyone knows that there's enough room for them in the Church of Christ. So let me be clear. When God intervenes in your story and makes enough room for you, that means that you are enough, just as you are. Moses' response is uh, objections, "I'm not worthy, I'm not ready, I'm not this, I'm not that." But what he failed to do was come to grips with how God Almighty would intervene to change His story. So what's your story? You might not believe in yourself as someone who can change the world, but God believes in you, and I believe in you. All it takes is enough enough faith to say, here I am, Lord, send me. But for what purpose? Well, to let God's people go, to set people free who are bound by all sorts of shackles in this world, because this is our story. And this is our song. And as such, we will praise our Savior all the day long.